the one who knocks. Pop, pop. Oh, no. <laughs> Why don't you do something with your life? You contribute nothing to society. Good morning, Vietnam! Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they? You know my code. Hoes before bros. You can't handle the truth. Buzz your girlfriend. Woof. Nobody calls me mad dog. Especially not some dooted up egg sucking gutter trash. Hello and welcome to my first time, the podcast that debates, disputes, and discusses pop culture classics. Each episode, someone on our panel takes on the role of the first timer, the person who is correcting a gap in their pop culture resume. Will they see what the fuss is or just be left wondering what the hell was that? My name is Dan, and I'm joined each and every episode by Eden. Hello there. And Aiden. Catchphrase. And this week we are slapping on some makeup, a wig, and a fancy dress as we examine Tootsie. So dramatic. Really? Very dramatic. Yeah. It was dramatic. I did we watch the same film? I thought I watched a comedy. Uh, well, I'm not I sure if know. I did watch a I comedy, know, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I did. That's on my notes, actually. That is on my notes. Yeah. Comedies have changed a lot over the years, haven't they? Oh, yeah. What was once considered a comedy <laughs> is now more of just like a light drama. <laughs> it was my first time. Uh, I vividly remember seeing this in like movie stores as a child like it's a very eye-catching cover the the picture of dustin hoffman saluting in the red sparkly ball gown with the american flag behind him uh so yeah it is definitely eye-catching it's let's be honest it's probably my first exposure as a child to any sort of cross-dressing uh sort of material i would argue that it's not I don't, is it cross-dressing or is it not? Cross-dressing is when, like, like he's more playing a role, like it's a costume, as opposed to wanting to wear female clothing. I don't know. I'm not an expert in this field. I don't know where you draw the line, but yeah. for me, it felt more like he was putting on a costume. Yeah, I agree. I'm just yeah. more saying from the perspective of a child. Just looking at the cover. Looking at the yeah. cover and being like, that man is wearing a... Oh, I probably didn't even know it was a man yeah. until someone told me, but... Sure. Yeah, so, yeah, my first time, um, what can I tell you about why I haven't watched it? I don't know. It's just one of those ones that has escaped me over the years. Was it anyone else's first time? I had seen it before. I reckon I saw it pretty young as well. I reckon my dad might have had it on or it was on TV or maybe he rented it. I don't really know, but I've definitely seen it before. And I remember having this feeling of, as a kid, finding it funny because there was a man in a dress and that was hilarious (laughs) when you're like six or eight or however young I was, it was sometime in primary school. But yeah. that's that's all I really have of hazy memory in the back of my mind. Yeah. I've probably seen it three or four times. I'm familiar with it. That's about the amount of times you would see something you really enjoy. Oh, I don't know about that, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, if you are listening wherever you are and you have not seen Tootsie, perhaps you'd like a little catch-me-up so you can follow along with our... <laughs> conversation. In 
Tootsie, Dustin Hoffman stars as Michael Dorsey, a talented but highly strung actor with a reputation of being difficult to work with. Desperate for work in order to fund the production of a play written by his roommate and friend Jeff, but shunned even by dodgy commercial creators, Dorsey disguises himself as a woman in order to gain a gig on a popular daytime soap, Southwest General. His female alter ego, Dorothy Michaels, is soon the toast of the town for revolutionising the daytime soap game with her strong, take-no-crap feminist attitude, both on and off the screen. But the wheels of Dorsey's deception begin to fall off when he falls in love with co-star Julie Nichols, a single mum, who also happens to have a horny older father who's got his eye on making Dorothy his second wife. Eventually, the weight of the deception and his sexual tension with Julie become too much for Michael to bear, and when a production mistake forces Southwest General to film live to air, Michael uses the opportunity to reveal to the nation and his co-stars that Dorothy is actually a man. From there, Michael has to repair the relationships his cross-dressing chicanery has caused, especially to Julie. The film ends on a positive note, not fully revealing the extent to which Julie and Michael's relationship ever extends to, but letting the viewer make their own interpretation of just where exactly they will end up. Tootsie was a box office smash, the second highest grossing film of 1982, second only to fellow icon E.T. the Extraterrestrial. The film gathered 10 Academy Award nominations, including Best Picture, Best Director for Sidney Pollack, and Best Actor for Dustin Hoffman, but ultimately only won one Best Supporting Actress for Jessica Lange in the role of Julie. However, despite its near-complete snubbing at the Oscars ceremony, Tootsie's stature as a significant film in Hollywood history is not in doubt. In 2000, the American Film Institute named it the second greatest comedy in Hollywood history, and the Library of Congress declared the film culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant, and selected it for the National Film Registry. But of course, all that critical praise means nothing here at My First Time, where it's all about what the first-timer, me, thinks. So is Tootsie as great as its plaudits would have us believe, or is it just another tired old 80s comedy, thinly disguised as a sinner classic. Is that what you think, Dan? I think that it is worthy of the plaudits. Nice. Why is that? I just really enjoyed it. Uh, I know we very uh, briefly got into the whole debate of comedy versus drama, and I really saw it as more of a drama while I was watching it with a light comedic tinge, but there's that's an underserviced genre, I think. Yeah. I think it's actually almost a romantic comedy. Like, it, it sort of dabbles in romance a fair bit throughout the whole film, and you're right, it's predominantly a genre that doesn't really come out that often as far as light dramas. Yeah, apparently uh, Dustin Hoffman, I think, was saying that they filmed it with, or he at least approached the character and everything as it wasn't a comedy. Like, they were going into it kind of thinking... We'll let comedy arise, but we're just doing a good movie. Well, he's not a comedic actor. And no. The, and the beats are very off if it was meant to be a proper comedy, especially with him. Yeah. Bill Murray obviously brings the funny. He has that... He's the perfect offsider yeah. for somebody that's so high-strung, and he's got this laid-back attitude. That... And apparently improvised a lot of his lines. Mm. But he doesn't bring the funny... If you've never seen it, he doesn't bring the funny in the way you might think. Bill Murray bringing the funny. Like, it's not a... 
It's still it's a very a Bill... understated role. Yeah, it's not a Bill Murray movie. No, I uh, almost thought watching it, I was like, this must be about his first dramatic role, is what I was thinking, because he's not like he's doing too many zingers yeah. or anything like that. Yeah, and... but that being said, the film would have been a lot more boring without him. Oh, yeah. I think that his, his character is fantastic in it. Apparently, though, he didn't want his name to be uh, sort of shown around the movie because he didn't want people to think, there's a Bill Murray movie. Um, and also, I think he was trying to do another movie at the time. <laughs> yeah, he sort of almost serves as the audience, doesn't he? He yeah. gets to do the reaction of, oh, Michael, what are you doing? <laughs> like, he's sort of us and gets to sort of voice yeah. what we're thinking as Michael ratchets up the deception and, uh, you know, makes a real mess of things. So, yeah, I really I really liked Bill. And I didn't know he was in it. I kept myself really in the dark about what to expect. So I was so delighted when I saw a young Bill Murray in this. That yeah. is a treat. And a young Gina Davis. <laughs> yeah. That was also quite a surprise. In her underwear. Didn't notice. <laughs> Come on. Tootsie noticed. <laughs> she couldn't help but notice. Or he couldn't help but notice. Gina Davis, uh, mm. Olympic archer or near Olympic archer? Really? Yeah, did you even hear well, about I had that? no idea. No, what? <laughs> she was one of the top ranked. She became in the nineties one of the top ranked female archers in the United States. In of the nineties, wait. Mm. So this uh, movie came out in nineteen eighty two. So after this, movie. yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa! And sort of in sort of her, I don't know, must have been thirties or forties or something. She was very, very close to Olympic selection. Maybe. I, no, I don't think she ever made it to the Olympics, but she was very close, like maybe the next in line or something like that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, Amazing. there you go, listeners. <laughs> Multifaceted woman, that one. No, I just actually really liked it. I thought it had a terrific intro. Like, it sort of cuts to scenes of him in auditions or blowing up at directors of crappy amateur theatre productions and then in his, uh, and then cutting to scenes of him in uh, drama class he coaches where, you know, the students are obviously really looking up to him and he's giving them great advice. So you're, you're sort of cutting between these worlds where he's sort of an authority and really respected to these this audition process, which he finds so demeaning. And I actually just really liked it. I, I thought it built character and backstory really quickly. Quickly. Yeah. It actually got into it very quick for an yeah. 80s film. I was surprised, like, oh, he's already in the dress and we're only <laughs> probably 10 minutes into the film. I did have a slight issue with how quickly he got into the dress, though, because the first scene that he's in the dress, it's literally, like, within the audition process. So let's say an hour. At most an hour to go off, get the dress, put the makeup on, whatever. The next time he puts the dress on, he has to get up at 4 a.m. to get yeah. everything ready and shave the legs and curl the eyelashes and stuff. I'm <laughs> and, like, which one is it, mate? Which well, one? And then he's got that, like, classic scene where he's got to play both of the people and he's swapping between the two. Yeah. Oh, I love scenes like that. <laughs> the absolute best. <laughs> you fast lover? Oh, mate, I love a fast. I could watch fast for the rest of my life. What, what is the greatest fast movie, oh, in oh, your opinion? Whoa, whoa, I don't know. Greatest fast movie. I tell you what show I like, TV show. I love Frasier when it goes into those fast episodes of someone's, you've got like two characters in the kitchen, a dinner party in the dining area, and then just chaos ensues. Did you know that Frasier ended its run exactly 15 years next Tuesday? I did not know that. Yeah, this this coming week. Oh, Fraser have... Marathon! Yeah, we have got so much other information in this podcast. <laughs> and Friends finished its uh, run 15 years to the day two days ago on Tuesday. Yeah, good for that. Just been. Good on him. Yeah, Friends. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so much more in the Friends camp rather than the Fraser 
Tell- camp, by the way. <laughs> My wife will be listening to this angry that anyone could even consider Frasier as an option to friends. She really has a distinct <laughs> hatred for Frasier. Oh, me me <laughs> too. Me too. Really? A yeah. hatred? Cannot stand it. It's so boring and what? so <laughs> snobbish and... Oh, it's no. hilarious. It's not a show for... No, yeah, it's a very smart person. Yeah, show. it's not one for the uneducated. Yeah, have fun in your ivory tower on your own. <laughs> I will. There's have... two of us That's watching right. Frasier <laughs> on a big screen. Uh, no, I yeah. I was really hooked and impressed early on. And I thought it had great dialogue as well. Mm. Like, I really liked the way the characters talked to each other. It felt like it was just really well written. So I thought there was a, a nice depth to it. In fact, what I found really jarring, one thing I didn't like, is it did have that dramatic feel to it, but then in those sort of, you know, cuts where they're moving across the city and the soundtrack plays, you get this, like, perky, horrid jazz, like, and it was almost like the theme song to, like, an early 80s sitcom, and it would just bounce in. And... Yeah, like Family Ties or All in the Family or something. <laughs> And I was like, no, we've just gone from like really lovely drama to this. Duh, 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 duh. And I was like, oh, yuck, yuck, yuck. I but now, how, how did you feel about the uh, montage sequence where she's get, like, where Tootsie is getting photographed and there's like oh. magazines flying everywhere? That montage sequ- sequence is incredible. Yes, good. Okay. I'm really Just incredible. wanted to make sure that that's what you weren't upset at that. No, that, that scene, I don't care what music it was in the background of that. That was great. Well, that's the main thing, you know, the hey, Tootsie. Yeah, no, I think that worked then because she's smiling for the camera and it's about her success. It's more the bits where he was just travelling across New York (laughs) and suddenly there was this really, like, perky, upbeat jazz playing and it just was very jarring. Going into this film, you had no knowledge of it, pretty much. No knowledge. At any point, did you think um, his name was going to be Tootsie? Yes. Yeah. I did remember thinking early on, I was like, oh, why is this movie called Tootsie? And then... I think at some point he gets called Toots by the director, and I was like, oh, mm. yeah, okay, fair yeah. enough. I thought it, he was going to be called Tootsie. Yeah. Even in my mind, I was like, oh, I feel like that's what I remember, being him, his name being Tootsie. Yeah. Can anyone remember, is he actually directly called Tootsie at any point in the film? Like, there's lots of Toots and Honey yeah. and... I don't know. It's not obvious. It's not like no. they play that up. No. Well, it's in the song. Yeah, it's in the song. Yeah. But I don't know, is that song written for the film? <laughs> Maybe the song existed, and, they and they're like, like "This is the song name, <laughs> like American Pie." <laughs> yep, just like American Pie. Well, it is. It was the song first, and then that's why they picked the name of the film. <laughs> You're probably right. And all the narrative points within the film, right? Yeah, base it on the song. I just, I, it's not wrong. Go watch Frasier, you Wait a snobs. minute, isn't it called American Pie because a dude has sex with a, with a pie? Yeah, but it's an apple pie. It's not an American pie. <laughs> it's an it's as American as apple pie. What, having sex with a pie? Yeah. Because this is American as apple pie. I'm so glad I'm an Australian. <laughs> Meat pies. <laughs> this took a real uh, turn. I... 
had a discussion with a friend of the podcast, uh, Will Meller, who was in for our The Room episode a while back, uh, recently about my disdain for William Shakespeare. Yes. And one of my points, I was saying that I think uh, Shakespeare was a hack, and that I hate in The Merchant of Venice how the female, whatever her name is... uh, I can't remember. Yeah, I don't, but she dresses as a male judge. And sorry, sorry. Why did you only ask Eden then? Because uh, you, you just... don't know. I could have. No, nah, but you don't. So <laughs> I don't even feel ashamed about not asking you. It's Patricia. It's definitely not. <laughs> sorry, did I say Patricia? I meant Veronica. <laughs> Ah, oh, so many famous Veronicas in William Shakespeare's Gwyneth? work. Gwyneth? Gwyneth, I feel like, is closer. Like, yeah. Is it Cordelia? Could be Cordelia. Yeah, I think it's Cordelia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was one of my points. But then, so I, I, I really struggle to accept that no one would notice that this, this girl is a, a male judge, particularly in that era. But I was quite happy to accept that nobody would uh, pass judgment on Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. How do we rate him as a believable, can fool his colleague's woman? Does that bit bother you at all, or do you think he looked believable enough? Is the question you're asking when Bugs Bunny puts on the dress, <laughs> do we find female Bugs Bunny attractive? Is no, I'm you- not asking if you find female uh, Dustin Hoffman attractive, though. We can have that discussion if you would like. <laughs> no, I mean, did, like, do you, can you buy into this notion that for a seemingly long period of time, nobody would get suspicious that perhaps he's not actually a woman. I thought it was believable enough. Like, yeah. they put in a couple of lines just for the sake of it. Like, oh, you know, I get a bit of stubble <laughs> on the lips because I'm old and whatever. Uh, there was a, there was enough of that that made me go, oh, yeah, believable enough. I, I thought the scene in bed, the two of them together, I was like, at what point are you getting changed or getting up in the morning? Like, she's got it figure out it. Well, he then. stayed up late deliberately so he would avoid that going yeah, to bed at the, the same time moment. They don't they wake up in the morning and she's already got the face on and stuff. Yeah. I guess he would have to have a sleep in, right? Yeah. You'd have to just wait till she's up and gone. Absolutely. Yeah, I, but- I believe that could happen. Mm. And it, yeah, I, look, I I felt like it was believable for a while and then the longer it went on, it's like, well, come on. Come on, guys. <laughs> like, really? I don't know. I feel like if you, like, especially the people that she works with in, um, on the soap opera, they would only know Dorothy, the character of Dorothy. And so, therefore, why would you just assume that this is a guy in drag? There might be one thing. The hands. Oh, yeah. Good it's point. hard to hide those mm. man hands. Yeah, that's a very good point. And even Adam's apple. Yeah, I think she had very high dresses on. Yeah, it was that era where you could wear a sort of a frilly collar Mm. around your neck. And I think she did a fair bit of that. Yeah. I think the hands could have tipped people off. That's true. I would have liked an in-movie justification of the hands. (laughs) Like even just a, oh, my father's always, you know. We've always had big hands in the uh, Michaels family or something. What if she shaved them? Do you think that'll be enough? Yeah, would she would have had to wax in in reality, right? Oh, of course, yeah. Dustin Hoffman would have been waxing those hands yeah. down. Apparently, I heard that Dustin Hoffman like, they only had like a few good hours of filming before he would have to shave again. <laughs> like his five o'clock shadow kept being a significant problem, <laughs> which is which is just pointing out the obvious. Yeah, the, the film that that should have been a problem. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Hey, uh, Eden, I have yeah. a question for you. Given mm. that you, in uh, real life, when you're not potting, uh, you do drama. Yeah. Um, I wasn't sure you got... No, no, I, you I was do bit... drama. <laughs> I was confused, but continue. Um, this might sound dumb, but literally, in the 80s or earlier, did they do the music on soap operas live? Oh, I'm pretty sure not. Because in this... and I don't, I don't think they did anything live on a soap opera ever. Really, there might have been a situation like they show in the movie where something's gone wrong and they're going to do like a scene or two live, or maybe like a novelty. This is a live episode, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of issue with that because they're filming things and the music is playing for that scene, and I'm like. Yeah. Surely you put that music in after. Like, you're not playing it on a boombox in the corner, are you? Like, that's ridiculous. Even in the 80s, they would think that was stupid. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they would be filming, like, five episodes a day, uh, you know, the beginning over the first few days of the week, then doing, like, rehearsals later in the week. And I, I, I don't think that that's an accurate portrayal of a soap opera in the 80s. Yeah, okay. There, but like I said, there could have been some live stuff happening, but definitely not music, right? Pre-recorded. Yeah, I, Some pre-recorded music. Yeah, I had just issue with that. I was just like, that just can't happen. There's no <laughs> way that's happening. But I did really enjoy the soap opera elements, like the like gross older guy and like the interactions with those, like her, his character. What did they call him on set? The, the, uh, the, the tongue or the tongue, something? Yeah, <laughs> gross. <laughs> I thought he was a great introduction to his character when he appears behind Justin Hoffman, who's as Dorothy. And he pulls out that little bottle of spray oh, and goes in the mouth. And yeah. it's such a thing of a gross person to do. Like, can you even buy those little you can. spray bottles? I've seen the yeah, I purposefully went out to get them just to be like, wow. what the hell are these about? Yeah, it's a thing, but like you don't see it very often. But I think it was more common back in the, the yeah. days before Chewy and stuff like that. Did you buy the Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I How really was it when it you was sprayed disgusting. It in the mouth? Absolutely disgusting. Yeah, I've tried it before as yeah. well. It's, it's got a real like alcohol y kind of yeah, vibe. It's almost like spraying Listerine yeah. in your mouth. <laughs> Wouldn't be such a bad thing. I could do with a yeah, little spray go, Listerine. Go to the canvas. You can get one. <laughs> a spray Listerine? Oh, I don't know if it's a spray Listerine. I'm only interested in Listerine oh, brand. On. Whatever happened to the Listerine like strips? I literally those... just finished a pack right then. Do they still exist as well? They still exist. I think oh, there's like well, one place in Adelaide where you can still buy them and eat in uh... Norwood Foodland. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing so many plugs. This yeah, episode. I know. Right? <laughs> Somebody sponsor us. <laughs> it's a very me toozy film, isn't yeah. it? I thought that at first. I think it was both sexist and anti-sexist the whole way through the film. Like, it does literally both. It's very pro-women's rights and stand up for yourself and um, all, all that side of stuff that does that really well. But it also does, like, oh, I'm a man and I can't look after a baby. Oh, what am I going to do? <laughs> like, you can't have both, surely. I, did, I just, I had a bit of issue with that. I felt like the equality was, I don't know, a bit off. You disagree? I know what you're saying, but I don't know if we... I don't know if I... I don't know if the joke about the man not being able to care for the baby... I didn't feel like it was saying men can't do it. He's just a single actor with <laughs> no... You don't see him with any family. Mm. I, I'm not surprised he struggled. I thought it was more a comment on him and his stage of life than him as a man being yeah, incompetent. Okay. Yeah, that's fair enough. I like. I just didn't think that at the time. I was sitting there going, "Well, I did all that stuff today. I I did it fine." Yeah. Yeah. What did you think, Eden? I don't know. Yeah, I. I think 
I hadn't seen the movie in a probably, I don't know, three or so years. And so going in watching it, before watching it, I was kind of like, yeah, is this movie actually kind of sexist? Like, I just couldn't remember. I couldn't really remember what I was going to sure. get into. Uh, I don't think it was sexist, though. Like, as I was watching it, I wasn't sort of going, oh, damn, that's a bit dated. I was really like that. expecting that moment of, you know, there being something that was like, the in you know that you would call transphobic these yeah, days yeah that's or what i was really homophobic something could be there i don't like you know i know i'm a, a very what are they, you know what what am i like cis white full of privilege <laughs> i didn't see anything that was like overtly shocking in that no you know maybe if you know that's actually going to offend you like because it's about you that you might have picked something up that i missed but for a film that was made in 1982, it yeah. seems to have aged remarkably well, given th- some of the subject matter yeah. it's covering. Agreed. I think that comes down to Dustin Hoffman's performance. I think he like really just legitimately tried to play this Dorothy character, and what was the what was his normal character's name? Like, Michael. 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 So like, yeah, I, both of them were played like as legitimately and as grounded as possible, and the gag isn't that he's dressed as a woman really that's just something that he's doing like, yeah. it's the situations around that. the gag is more the sleazy director yeah the, you know the tongue the older yeah. uh, doctor it's, on the set it's the lie he's living in yeah and, and the spreading his time too thinly between his two worlds is more the issue yeah yeah, I thought it. I thought it was surprisingly unoffensive yeah. uh, given uh, its vintage the bit that did make me feel the most uncomfortable, though, was the attempted romance with his co-star's father. That was... Mm. Yeah. There was a scene <laughs> where I think he was stroking her hair while... Her being uh, uh, Dustin Hoffman's hair while she slept, and I was like... Ooh. Yeah. I don't know. I was like, yeah, this is... He doesn't come across... He comes across to me a little bit creepy. Like, I didn't yeah. feel that sorry for him. Like, he was really coming on hard to this, like, friend of his daughter's. And I was like, mm, nah, see... Yeah, but that he, bit doesn't age well to me. I'm like, no. you're not that likable. You're yeah, a but, creep. But he's not naive about the whole thing. Like, he knows that the, the dad is keen on him. Yeah, I know. I'm saying I don't like the dad character. I found the dad character hard to sympathise with. Even though you're supposed to be like, oh, the poor guy, he's fallen in love. Yeah, he was definitely she, creepy. She she never led him on in any way. And then all of a sudden he's proposing to her yeah. and trying to force her to dance with him. I'm like, this is not a sympathetic yeah. character. But that's like, I guess, the theme of the film is like, here is finally a man, like, a man who is being a woman in society and look at the shit that she has to go through. Like, always guys sort of hitting on her. Even in this sort of, like, you know, this guy isn't meant to be creepy. He is creepy. (laughs) But even in that situation, she can't just, like, go about... Say say no and walk off. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. There's always this, like, guy looming over her. Yeah, I I like that take. Yeah, that reinforces the quality of the film to hold up like that. Absolutely. What did we make of the ending of the film? What did we make of the scene where he comes out to his co-stars, so to speak, live on air and reveals that he (laughs) was, in fact, uh, a man pretending to be his sister and whatever else? I thought it was a little bit too convenient. (laughs) I I thought it was a good ending as far as, like, 
oh yeah, that's a good idea to finish the film, but I'm not sure they had the ending in mind until halfway through and going, oh, how are we going to wrap this up? How's he actually going to come out with his news that he's he's Tootsie? I did hear that they had intense script problems yeah. all the way through the production. Because it did feel like that just popped up all of a sudden and yeah. then, yep, yeah, this is good. I thought it was like it was a good idea, but it just didn't seem to be working towards that. That's yeah. all. I really like... Dustin Hoffman's monologue. <laughs> like, I think it is just so funny. It was funny. It was a little hard to watch. It was, like, a little high on the cringe factor, but only because it's acted so well. No, it's a soap opera as well. Like, yeah. he's hamming it up. But he's also improvising, and so he's sort of, like, <laughs> blundering from, like, idea to idea. Yeah. And, yeah, it was it was enjoyable. I really do enjoy as well in that soap opera vibe of these actors like especially the tongue actor who is never making eye contact because he's always looking at the auto cue <laughs> that real shitty snl style acting was ah oh, was painful <laughs> yeah when he's like i'm just an old has been were you ever anyone <laughs> yeah that was good <laughs> what about the ending where he's obviously completely deceived this julie who's invited him you know, invited Dorothy into her life, to her home, to look after her child, to go meet her dad. Do we buy that she's so quickly forgiving him when he approaches her on the street at the end of the movie and they sort of walk off together happy uh, in the end? That's tough. Because you want her to forgive him because that's the he's the protagonist of this film. We are in support of his character. But I do think it was very quick. I don't know, how would you feel in that situation? If you're, say, just like a friend or your nanny who you have been hiring for years and years turned out to be someone completely Mrs. different. Mrs. Doubtfired. You. Yeah, Mrs. Doubtfired. You. And who essentially lied to you. Yeah. Willingly and deliberately. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's betrayal. There's no way. Like, you would you would be like, get away from me, creep. I'm not, I don't want a part of this one bit. And it's not for the fact that you... Uh, were wearing a dress or whatever. It's just more the fact that you were lying to me constantly for I, I don't know how long. I don't yeah. know that you've ever told any truth to me. But that person wasn't friends with the male version. Like they were friends with the female version. It's hard to like. Mm. How how do you go from you know your colleagues at work and it's like oh uh, do you want to come over? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard. Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of like the end of an episode of Catfish. You know that show about like online dating where people, you know, they have like a three-year relationship with someone who they've never met, never had a video call with, and then they find out that the person, you know, they thought was like uh, a handsome, buff, you know, African-American man is like some fat white guy. And they still proceed to see them. Like, they, they still go out with them yeah. and they're, like, watching it. Like, what? Yeah, they lied. <laughs> this person lied to you so much. Why are you pursuing this relationship still? It had that vibe to me. Yeah. I almost needed, like, a five years later yeah. for them to bump into each other somewhere, you know? Yeah. Well, what about 22 years later? In Tootsie 2, what? The Revenge of Dorothy Michaels. What? What, what is are this? you talking no, about? What? No, this is a joke. <laughs> After several disastrous test screenings and multiple release date changes, it's finally heading straight to DVD uh, in early June. Now, this article uh, was, up- what? was uploaded uh, in 2010. That can't... So- 
So <laughs> was it on April first, two thousand and ten? Yeah. <laughs> Can it be real? Surely not. <laughs> this is this is legit. Oh, that is disgusting. Okay, do you want do you want to hear the storyline? Oh, sure. <laughs> Okay, I just let me scroll through. This. While you're sort of gathering the nutshell of that, there, it was on Broadway recently. Yeah, I heard about that. I don't know if it was any good, but that, it feels like a movie you could do fairly successfully on Broadway. It does, but at the same time, I feel like without someone playing who the person who plays Dorothy slash uh, what's his Michael. name Michael Michael um, needs to really be grounded in that role. I would worry that a stage version could be too... Yeah, too like, clappy. Too... Yeah, a bit too feel-goody or flamboyant. Or... Which is the opposite of the sequel, which is more of a horror film. <laughs> the story finds the popular actor Michael Dorsey uh, <laughs> decades after the events of the original Tootsie. Although still working as an actor, has enjoyed a small amount of success on primetime drama called... Higgins Point, it's cancelled. Uh, his cancellation has left him grief-stricken. It's hard for an actor for, of a certain age to find quality roles, reveals Hoffman. In an exclusive interview with All Access on set of Tootsie 2, Tootsie 2 confronts that reality head-on. Learning in the... Sorry. Uh, yeah, learning in the local trades of a plum part in the Broadway production of blah, 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 at Doll's House, Dorsey uh, auditions only to be rejected on site. After a bit of sleuthing, he learns from a stagehand that the role of Nora is only being offered to actors of a female persuasion. Then when the spirit of Dorothy... I've had enough. I've had enough. (laughs) Well, this this becomes... This can't be real. Dorothy's revenge. Surely This can't be real. What is the website you're on? <laughs> it's got to be like a spoof website. I'm holding. Oh I'm holding up a poster of the film that. But but it, it wouldn't be Dustin Hoffman, right? Like no, there's I feel no like chance in hell that he would return. This has to be one of those. This has to be like an Onion article Fan type fic. thing. <laughs> Look Fan it up. Fic. I don't know. I couldn't see anything on IMDb. Well, this seems legit. <laughs> Like, feel free to Google it and get in touch with the show. I think it's fake news. <laughs> Dorothy returns to kill all who no, stand. No, 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 I'm done with this. There's no, there's no Tootsie too. No, impossible. It, it can't exist. be real. It can't be real. Says Hoffman. No, Dustin Hoffman has not done Tootsie no. Two. He would never. I don't think he could ever do a sequel to this movie. I don't think he would want to. It would. It worked so well. And not only that, but like, didn't he and Sidney Pollock? Pollock. 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 Yeah. Um, Pollock. Pollock. Yeah, I don't, know. I don't know. He had like they had a huge falling out uh, throughout the movie. Apparently, we were constantly arguing about uh, everything. Hmm. So yeah. Yeah, it was fun. I read that Dustin Hoffman convinced him to act the role of his agent. Yeah. yeah. I also read that Dustin Hoffman uh, was surprised that he could not look like a convincing and attractive woman. Yeah. <laughs> like he yeah. thought he could be a convincing yeah. woman. I can look like a woman, and but thought I can't he was be also definitely going to be able to look attractive. And was like, "Oh no, I can't! No matter what they do to me, I'm not an attractive yeah. woman." But wasn't that also the thing that made Hoffman go, "Oh wow!" Like I just. 
I have been treating women horribly my whole life because I look for attractive women. <laughs> like, this is not... This is awful. Yeah, no, I think... I, I read something like that too, where it's yeah. like, oh, I've actually missed out on a lot of interesting conversations with women who I've written off just because they're not attractive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're probably all a little bit guilty of that, aren't we? I don't know. At some at. point in our lives. <laughs> this is you, Dan. <laughs> you lie. <laughs> No, I, I thought that when I read that comment. Mm. I was like, yeah, I wish I could go back to, like, high school and actually, and not be so worried about good-looking people. Yeah. And I feel like that's a real teenage thing where oh, you being, value someone so much cool higher. Being cool and socially accepted yeah, and popular. Yeah, terrible. Oh I was God, like, oh, just awful. go and find the interesting people. doesn't matter what they look like. You'd have yeah. such a better five years. Yeah. Like, you'd have much more interesting conversations. Yeah, no, I killed it at high school. I was one of the cool kids. and You um, definitely weren't. <laughs> I had no issues like you guys, so I don't know what you're talking about. You're such a liar. You're such a nerd in <laughs> sheep's clothing. I don't know how they put that analogy together. Shut up, geeks. <laughs> All right, let's uh, put a pin in it. I think we've said enough about this one. It's score time. After these messages, we'll be right back. Recommend, 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 men, men. Aiden, normally uh, our second recommender, has just requested to go last. How mysterious. <laughs> I think he's unprepared yet again, listeners. No, I'm prepared. I'm just... Anyway, we'll get to me. We'll Do you even me. take this podcast seriously? So serious. More than the Joker on Batman. <laughs> you, you take the podcast more serious than you take the Joker? Or you take the podcast more seriously than the Joker is serious in that, his general demeanour? The latter, yes. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? I'm confused. <laughs> Let's move on. All right. Eden, what are you recommending? All right. Now, I'm going to recommend something uh, that might not be everyone's cup of tea. It is a book. Um, and it is a Star Trek book. Ooh. I know. Now, hear, hear me out. <laughs> Face palm. It was a great read. It was a delightful little read. It's called uh, Star Trek Section 31 Control. And it sort of has like a 1984 kind of vibe. It's about... I know a little bit about Section 31. You do indeed. Covert ops, baby. That's right. The sort of underground uh, Starfleet I'm, intelligence rogue faction. I might just head off. Lock the doors. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, um, I'll see you guys later. Have a good, have a good rest of the podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. I saw it in a bookstore and I thought I hadn't read a Star Trek book in like years, 15 years maybe. So I was like, so it's it. new-ish. New-ish, yeah. I can't remember exactly what year it came out, but it would have been in the last two or three. When you say Star Trek book, I immediately think it's something you've picked up in an op shop. I bought this from Dimmix, my friend. <laughs> oh, shout out, Dimmix. That's right. <laughs> it's the only bookstore that's left. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's a physical book. Like, usually I read e-books, but I just saw it there and was like, ah, oh, screw it. I'm going to read a Star Trek book again. And it was a lot of fun. <laughs> And two bucks in the bargain bin, you can't go wrong. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> My recommendation is not actually the thing I most want to recommend this week, but it's the thing I most want to talk about. Uh, I'm going to recommend, uh, with an asterisk next to recommend, the OA on uh, Netflix. It's uh, season two time. I've only just watched the first episode of season two, but I saw it come up and I was like, oh, I really liked the first season of that. And then... It forced me to watch a recap. And as I was watching the recap, I was like, oh, this show is so stupid. <laughs> the show is ridiculous. When you condense like eight 
hour-long episodes of slow-burning narrative into a two-minute clip. Sometimes it just reminds you how stupid the show really is, and that's yeah. what happened. But I just got into it again. I was like, yeah, this is so dumb, but I'm so, loving it. So it's a dis-recommend? No, it is a recommend. It's it's an interesting, thought-provoking sci-fi, but it's uh, supernatural sci-fi. I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> It, it's well, you, worth you a look. Know, if you, you hear the words supernatural sci-fi and you think, well, that's a genre I would like, have a look at it. If you hear those words and you're like, Ugh, well, don't look at it. <laughs> Doesn't sound like you like this show that much. <laughs> I like it, but the recap did remind me that it was a bit dumb. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> I was hesitant with my recommendations because I thought they were a bit too mainstream, a bit too... Um, uh, good for everyone, but I feel like it's really balancing you two out. So my recommendation this week is, and it pains me to say this, but I've actually really been enjoying Lego Masters. Uh. I knew you'd say that. It's actually really good. It's like it's like all the crappiness from reality TV of the last 20 years has been removed from this, and it's there's none of the, like... Take off Lame your Hamish drama. and Andy goggles, mate. Like, not everything they do has to be rolled gold. No, I agree. I agree. But I love Lego. I love the positivity of it. And I love the creativity of it. And it's fun. It's a fun show that the whole family can enjoy. I genuinely think it's a really good show. I, I saw on your Instagram today that you bought yourself a Lego... Yeah, I bought... oh, and I get shit for liking Star Trek, and you're going out <laughs> buying Lego. <laughs> I, I bought some Ducktales Lego. Ah, oh, Ducktales Lego! <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> oh my god, it's the best. I still love Lego. I'm a grown man that likes. And Lego. you think this balances you our our podcast out with yes, the recommendations? Because, yes, because yours is so nerdy and obscure. <laughs> you're watching people build things with Lego, and mine is more of a family-friendly, everyone-can-enjoy type of show. Do you build it's... your DuckTales Lego while you watch it? Uh, n- no, but I, we did build Duplo the other day with my son while the Lego Masters is on in the background. And if my wife's listening, I definitely didn't have the TV on while I was playing with Jethro. He only <laughs> read books that whole afternoon. Star Trek books. <laughs> Would you tell the listeners why you felt the need to buy yourself a Lego? I don't think we need to get into that. I think we do. I think we really do. <laughs> Why did you need to buy yourself a Lego? Because I had to get a needle today and I needed a reward. <laughs> <laughs> After getting my needle. Oh my and God. And let's get back <laughs> to talking about Tootsie. April 1st. Yeah, it is April 1st. On... <laughs> 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 And Google has got 1st of April. Oh, just before we get to the scores, <laughs> off air, we have discovered that the <laughs> Tootsie 2 article Aiden was looking at is dated the 1st of April, <laughs> 2010. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah, that's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. It was a good dream. I just, oh, uh, the internet lied. I, I, I believe. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> I don't know what to believe if I can't believe things written on the internet. Uh, Nobody ever told me that was a falsehood on the internet. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, that's 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 well, giving that's me a def- lot of joy. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's definitely going to change my ratings when it comes to returnability. Oh. <laughs> All right. Scoring is upon us. Eden, iPhone yes. test. iPhone test. I'm going to go four. Four out of five. It's a gripping movie. That montage scene is fantastic, the, which it begins... I, oh, no, it doesn't even begin. There's that scene where he's just, like, walking through the crowd on New, in New York. It's got so many great visuals in it. I think if you're on your phone, you're going to miss those great things. Agreed. It's yeah. a good film. Uh, I wouldn't rate it as highly, but three and a half, uh, I think, is a decent score from me, given it's came out of 1982, is it? Is Two, that what yeah. we worked out? Yeah. I can only remember two or three times looking at my phone, which I feel in this day and age for a two-hour yeah. movie, that's pretty good. So yeah, I'm going to give it a four as well. Nice. Cultural significance, Eden. Hmm. Well, it, well, it was brought into, what, the Library of Congress, right? Or something mm. along those lines? Yeah, so I'm also going to go four. I think it is culturally significant, even though I've only seen it a few times. Uh, yeah, four. I'm only going to give it a three, uh, just given that I think it's one of those films that hasn't stood the test of time and not as far as the subject matter and not as far as the quality of the film, but just more for the fact that if you ask the average person these days, they'd probably go like, oh, what's that? Yeah, it's disappeared a bit. Yeah, and given that E.T. came out the same (laughs) year, you compare the two, E.T. has lived on forever. True. This has kind of fallen by the wayside, I guess. Yeah. I've got a theory that anything that doesn't include children in its demographic has a much harder time staying culturally significant. Is that because the children see it in that year and then kind of it, yeah. they, it sticks with well, them? if you discover something in your childhood, it has such a formative effect on you that you carry your love for it through your whole life. Yeah. So, E.T., I actually asked my class of uh, grade six students today who's seen E.T., and actually, I actually had about 40 grade six students in the room, maybe 50, and I reckon at least half had seen E.T. Right, wow. Like 30 years later. Yeah. So I think for a film that's not targeted at children, it's still pretty iconic. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna give it a three and a half. And how many, how many of your grade sixes had seen Tootsie? <laughs> three quarters. <laughs> <laughs> Returnability, Eden. Uh, like I said, only seen it a few times. I've definitely seen other movies a lot more. I'm going to go three. I quite enjoyed it, but I don't really need to see it again. I don't know what I would get out of it. Uh, I didn't love it that much enough to, you know, chuck it on every time I'm sick on a cold winter day and chuck on my DVD of Tootsie. (laughs) Um, so maybe two. Yeah, I don't feel there's any great need to watch it again but i really enjoyed it i thought the acting was fantastic i thought the dialogue was fantastic and it's the sort of thing where if i was going with some friends to see it at like a moonlight cinema or one of those sort of vintage screenings i'd really enjoy that so i'm gonna give it a three as well i will predict that i will definitely watch this film again at some point in my life with happiness you know how we watched uh the room and it was like you sort of dress up and you get all involved in it would that happen with this film do you think there's like 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 a a a cult classic yeah do you think there's like a cult classic for this film like people um there's a lot of like iconic moments that you could 
have a crowd leech onto. Like when she slaps someone away from herself or lots of little things. I would think a dress-up screening would be pretty fun. It'd be pretty fun to see a whole bunch of people going as Dorothy Michaels to a screening (laughs) of this film. You'd have people dressed up as the tongue. You'd have people dressed up as the director. It'd be great. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, that's that's got some legs. They'll rip their wigs off when she does. (laughs) That'd be amazing. (laughs) Throw them at the screen. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I think think we're onto something there. Partner-friendly rating. Eden. I'm going to go five. Wow. Kirsty loves, like, last time I watched it a few years ago was with my wife, Kirsty, and she loved it. And then when I watched it for the podcast, she was annoyed that she I watched it without her because she was busy. And I was like, wow. Yeah, she would love to see it again. Yeah, I'm going to rate it pretty highly as well. Despite the fact that my wife did not want to watch it with me, I actually think she would have enjoyed it. I do think it was a film that she would have got something out of and actually wanted to continue watching it if she had just given it a chance. So Mm. I'll give it a three. Yeah, I think you have to score it at least on the more than 50% side of things. I think it would be a really solid sort of film you could watch early in your relationship together. It's a good date night movie. Good date night movie. It's got uh, got the laughs, it's got the drama, Mm. got the romance. Uh, I did... technically watch it with Ash, but she was like busy doing work on her laptop, didn't really enter in. But I think had she been sitting there without distraction, I do think she would really have enjoyed this movie. So for partner friendliness, got to be a four from me. This looks to be a pretty decent set of numbers, so let's take a quick break while they get crunched. top of the leaderboard we have a new looking top three. Oh, in first place it's, I, I just want to say it's not surprising we all enjoyed this film and that yeah. doesn't happen very often usually I hate it you guys love it or Eden hated it or you know what I mean like it's, it's rare that we all agree yeah. yeah it's very true and it just ticked every category sufficiently yeah. that's what you got to do in the my first time scoring universe if, if you bomb one category it's really hard to hit the top are you listening to that Ridley Scott are you listening to that you want us to rank you higher you got to tick those boxes don't you yeah all right, get down, go on. <laughs> and hello to Ridley again as he tunes in each He's He's day. listening. He's listening. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. Ridley, send your hate mail to Eden at uh, my first time, bud. <laughs> uh, first place remains Groundhog Day yes. on 45.375. Then in second place, a film that probably didn't tick every category but managed to dominate in three of The Shining. Mm. Not a real partner-friendly one necessarily. Not in the way that some others are. And then in third place, taking over from live wrestling by 0.75 of a point, Tootsie. Woo! That's amazing. And that's two Bill Murray movies in the uh, top three. True. Bill Murray fest. Yeah. My first time. Yikes. It's the Bill Murray bump. The Bill Murray bump. You put him in something and it just bumps it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty true. Happened with Garfield. No. Sorry. <laughs> is, is, is there a Garfield movie? 
and he's in it, is he? Yeah. Yeah, he's the voice of Carfield. Oh. Do you not know this? No, I genuinely There's a great story about it that now has to be told in case anyone listening doesn't know the story either. So Bill Murray doesn't have an agent. So you literally just send scripts to like his P.O. box or whatever the case is and he reads them. He sees a script for Garfield by a Joel and Ethan Cohen. The Cohen brothers, you would assume. No, except the real Cohen brothers, or the famous Cohen brothers, C-O-E-N. This Joel and Ethan Cohen, C-O-H-E-N. So he never reads the script. He's just like, oh, a Cohen Brothers movie. I'll do that. Puts the script aside. Agrees to do Garfield. Turns up. It's not the Cohen Brothers. It's a really crap <laughs> Garfield movie. And he is the voice of Garfield because he doesn't have an agent and yeah. never read the script. Amazing. <laughs> Did these... Uh, second lot of Coen Brothers go on to make any great films, or I don't think so. I don't know, yeah, <laughs> I think I think like lightning struck for yeah. them with getting uh, Bill Murray on side. Yeah, but that's now... probably how they got studio funding. Even. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, but now they can say, well, like you know, I've had Bill Murray. You know, like come on board. I've had Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah, that's that's something to do while I when I get home tonight and can't sleep. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> happened to Coen with an H Brothers? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so not a great moment in Bill's career, but no. just part of his mythos. Exactly. Uh, there's a documentary that I'd actually really like to see that came out recently about, it's just interviews all the people that have had Bill Murray turn up at their random events and random parties, Amazing. which he's quite famous for. Yeah, I saw the trailer for that the other day. Yeah. Good. Is it out yet? Uh, I don't think so. I'm not sure. Yeah. It looked really good. I, I thought it looked very interesting. Yeah. But uh, let's talk about the future where we go back to the Instagram polls. Check those out on the Friday after the podcast drops. Uh, I was the first timer this week. So we are pitting Eden back against Aiden on the polls. Eden, I'm sorry to say, but driving Miss Daisy had two goes. It's out. It's out. It's out. I'm going to have to watch it because I want to see it. That's disgusting. (laughs) <laughs> I like to think at your house that your TV does not go on unless it's unless for- it's for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so this week we have in Aiden's corner tidying up with Marie Kondo, the what? recent Netflix sensation. What? No. I just want to see no. what all the fuss is about. Uh, it's going to be that. And in Eden's corner, still Magnolias. <laughs> That actually does sound pretty bad as well, I have to say. <laughs> but I don't know. <sighs> so, what do you want to hear us discuss next? Tidying up with Marie Kondo or Steel Magnolias? Let us know on our Instagram poll coming up this Friday after the podcast has dropped. Well, thank you so much for listening. That was <laughs> that was Tootsie, third highest rated Amazing. entertainment. Any final words, Aiden? No, I'm good. (laughs) All right, then thank you for listening. Remember to review, subscribe, tell your friends, all that stuff. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. See you, toots. April Fool's. (laughs) 